With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Thursday, November 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we have a new champion in baseball. The World Series winners are the Texas Rangers. They defeat the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks four games to one in uh, the World Series, winning game five, five to nothing. Uh, once again, Corey Seager coming through with a big hit as the uh, the Rangers were being uh, no hit by the uh, the Diamondbacks' uh, Zach Gallen. Uh, Seager once again comes through. Uh, he just seems to own uh, postseason baseball. Whenever he's uh, whenever he's in the World Series, he comes out on top. His second World Series MVP award, having won it with the Dodgers already, he wins it again with the Rangers. And uh, the Rangers win their first uh, World Series title in franchise history. Yeah, Joe, and, uh, you know, they kind of, I mean, except for the ALCS, they kind of made it look easy. They go 11-0, and set a record 11-0 and on the road in the postseason. Uh, they go, you know, they sweep the Rays in the wild card. They sweep Baltimore in the division series. You know, they go to seven games with the Astros, and then go 4-1 and against Arizona. Um 13 and 4 in the postseason, Joe, and that makes them 103 and 76 for the season and uh, not bad for a wild card team. Yeah, and another uh, World Series title for Bruce Bochy, uh pretty much, I mean, he was already a lock for the uh, the Hall of Fame as a manager anyways, but but now uh you can anybody who 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 doesn't vote for him as an automatic first ballot first uh, opportunity to get in, uh there there's something wrong there because uh Bruce Bochy uh, has has won uh, everywhere he's uh, he's uh, you know been lately uh, you know what three titles with with San Francisco and uh, you know one more with uh, with the Rangers now. Yeah, and uh, you know I think uh, the only the only managers who have won more World Series than Bochi are uh, Casey Stingle and Joe McCarthy of the old uh, Yankees managers, and they wow. won seven each. 
So, uh, you know, that that is an accomplishment. And this is a guy that, you know, I, I loved it what he said. Uh, they said in the post game, he was sitting on his recliner at home in uh, wherever he was, Tennessee or something. And when uh, the the Rangers called him and said, do you want to come out of retirement? So I guess he wanted to come. You know, this was the, this was the best case scenario. First year back, you win the World Series and uh, you just kind of cement what you've already proven. Yeah, and uh, you know this was a team that was built to win the World Series. They spent the money uh, in free agency over the last couple of years. They went out and got uh, Seager and Simeon. Uh, they had uh, young stars like uh, Dolis uh, Garcia, um, you know, emerge. And uh, you know they spent the money on, on on pitching when they needed to. They brought in Nathan Evaldi. Uh, this is uh, you know it, it's sort of the uh, now is it the blueprint for everybody. Uh, you know, uh, forget about the money ball uh, situation. You go out and, and spend big and bring in the free agents and 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 you can get yourself a title. Yeah, Joe. I mean, but they spent really big what they spent over about a half billion dollars with mm-hmm. a billion with a B on all those guys, maybe more. Uh, and Evaldi, you know, was kind of a, a bargain in this whole thing. You know, he's the first pitcher in history to go five and zero in the postseason. He goes four, and he's four and zero in his career in in postseason clinching games. So he just did, you know, just really pitched a great job. I mean, he just did a, you know, just just did a nice job last night. Pitched out of trouble, into and out of trouble for five six innings. And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I felt bad for Gallon. You know, he's got a no-hitter going, and uh, his team can't score any runs. It reminded me of uh, watching a certain team most of the <laughs> last season, Joe. Yeah, well, and, and watching the postseason celebration also reminded me of a certain team because you had Austin Hedges running around like a madman yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in the postgame celebration. We, uh, you know, felt really good for Hedgie there because, uh, you know, he was he was definitely missed here in Cleveland uh, this whole season, throughout this whole season, uh, I, I think he was uh, a guy that they really could have, um, you know, uh, benefited by having around with the young pitching staff. Uh, and to, to see him finally, uh, you know, get a ring like that, that's uh, that was exciting for, for him. And I know his, his family uh, and everybody was uh, was was really happy uh, for him that, that that was able to happen. But, yeah, uh, the, the way that. Uh, the Rangers, you know, this team that's been battering and bashing everybody offensively, you know, all season was able to come through and win that game. Uh, did sort of remind you of the way that uh, the Guardians offense uh, performed all season. It was, uh, you know, not being able to come through with the big hit or getting shut out and getting shut down, but then having, uh, you know, a, a little minor eruption there in the uh, in the eighth inning with a, a four-run eighth to sort of seal the game and put things away and, uh, it, that's uh, something that the uh, the Cleveland offense uh, needs to needs to emulate and needs to be able to do is to hit the ball out of the park when they when their backs are up against the wall. Yeah, no doubt about it, Joe. Texas they only hit 218 in the uh, World Series. Arizona hit 270 as a team, but Texas hit eight home runs and uh, and they scored 26 runs compared to 22 runs. By uh, by Arizona, it was close, but the eight home runs I think made a difference. Joe, in the postseason overall, Arizona, I mean Texas scored 97 runs, almost averaging almost six runs per game. So that tells you something. Offense kind of rules in the postseason. Usually pitching does, but you have to have offense. You have to be able to hit the ball out of the park, and Texas, like you said, was built to do that. 
Corey Seager uh, becomes the what the first player to win uh, World Series MVP for two different teams uh, since uh, Reggie Jackson did it uh, for the uh, the Yankees and uh, and the A's, right? Yeah, the first uh, only the uh, Reggie and uh, Seager are the only position players to uh, you know win uh, win uh, two M- World Series MVPs. I think Gibson and uh, Sandy Koufax were the are the pitchers that have done it. Uh, the uh, Rangers now uh, cross their name off the list of teams that have not won a World Series. Uh, that list now down to five. Yeah, down to five. It's uh, Milwaukee, San Diego, Seattle, Colorado, and the Rays. Joe, those are you know those are the teams that have not won a World Series. Now you know obviously Milwaukee's and San Diego have been there, so have the Rays, but. Uh, and the Rockies too, yeah. The Rockies mm-hmm. have been there as well. So, but they they just haven't got across the finish line yet. Uh, all of those uh, those five franchises are um, uh, you know expansion uh, franchises at least since the since Cleveland won its last World Series in 1948. Uh, all those teams came into existence. So, uh, you know, really the uh, you know the Indians slash Guardians have the the longest World Series drought of of any team uh in in baseball right now at uh what going on 75 years or, or more here so uh yeah it's uh you start to put things into historical perspective <laughs> and it's it's it, it's rather uh rather dreary for for those of us in, in cleveland it's already it's november uh what second uh it's uh it they call it stick season you know leaves falling off the trees it's uh you know it's before the the snow really kicks up and and, uh, you know, it gets it gets to be kind of gloomy around here just thinking about how we don't have uh, a World Series since 1948. But uh, but they sure did come close. Uh, Hoinsey, the um, managerial search, the next big item on the list now should be, uh, you know, moving rather quickly, I think, uh, as as they want to get somebody in place, I'm sure, uh, before the. Uh, the winter meetings, maybe by the general managers meetings that are that are coming up here in the next couple of weeks. What uh, what's the latest that you're hearing on the managerial search for the Guardians? Yeah, Joe, I think they want to get something go- uh, done, uh, you know, by uh, before they leave for uh, Scottsdale, Arizona next week for the GM meetings. Uh, I, w- I would think they'd want to get something done. I think, uh, you know, the interview process has kind of run its course. I'm sure there's a final, you know, there's some there's some phone calls and text messages being exchanged, but I, they've got to have an idea you know, a pecking order of the three or four finalists. You know, I think obviously, uh, uh, you know, Craig Council is the uh, the number one guy, but you know, he seems to be, uh, you know, he's a little preoccupied right now. There's there's other teams pulling at him. Milwaukee wants him back. The Mets, I think, have have set up an interview for him. Even uh, Houston's gotten into the act. So, you know, I would think uh, if depending if uh, the Guardians want to wait for him or not. Uh, you know, they're the, the they have to go maybe to plan B and uh, see, you know, who their next candidate is. It does. It, it would would uh, council's decision maybe be the, the first domino to fall. And maybe we would see uh, a bunch of managerial hirings after council decides where where he wants to end up. Yeah, I think that, that's a good point, Joe. I think most of these, you know, most teams like uh, 
Joe Espada in Houston, you know, he was, he's been kind of the, uh, the prime guy, their bench coach to replace Buck, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dusty Baker when, when he was going to retire and he did retire after, you know, the ALCS. Uh, but you know, now Houston has kind of reached out to, uh, to council. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I think council is probably, uh, you know, the big fish in the, in the managerial pond right now. So, so, so he sort of leads the, you know, leads the, the, the pack. And, and when he decides maybe the, uh, the rest of the, the pecking order will fall in the line and, and teams will be decide, making their decisions or, 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 you know, making their announcements shortly thereafter, uh, probably be, a, a you know, a, a, the way it's going to go. Uh, as far as Cleveland goes, we did uh, get some intel on what the, uh, the next manager, uh, is, is going to be taking on here in terms of his coaching staff. Uh, who will be and who won't be around? Uh, you were able to come up with uh, a couple of names of of guys on the staff and and a couple of surprises there. Yeah, Joe. Uh, you know, it sounds it. You know, uh, you know, Mike Sarbaugh, a longtime third base coach. Uh, he's been on Terry Francona's staff since 2013. Will not be back. Uh, Belt uh, Rigo Beltran, a bullpen coach. He was, uh, you know, this was his first year as bullpen coach, but he's been in the organization for two thought since 2014. He won't be back. And, uh, Mike Barnett, Barney, uh, you know, won't be back as the uh, replay coordinator. And he just finished his eighth season in Cleveland. So, you know, they've had, these guys have had long runs. I mean, Sarby, you know, has been in the organization since 1990, 33 years, Joe. And, uh, this, baseball can be a cruel game that way, man. I, I remember when this happened to, uh, Louis Isaac, the longtime bullpen coach, when Eric Wedge fired him, I thought it was a mistake. And, uh, you know, and you just, uh, you know, you, you, you lose a lot of institutional knowledge. You lose a lot of, uh, history when, when guys like that aren't invited back. Yeah. And, and, and you lose a great guy. Sarby was, uh, is, I, I'm not, I'm not speaking about him in the past tense here. I mean, he is, uh, a, a great guy and, and just an, uh, always willing to talk to you and, and say hi to you on the, on the road and everywhere. Uh, not, not, uh, not only, uh, you know, a great third base coach, a great, uh, infield coach as well. Uh, you know, we saw in, in the Jose Ramirez, Tim Anderson fight, this is a guy who will, will run through a wall for you. He'd run through a wall for Tito. I mean, he went after the entire, uh, uh, Chicago coaching staff, uh, uh, screaming and yelling and got suspended for it. Uh, but, and that's something we had never seen out of Mike Sarbaugh on, on the field before. So that was kind of neat. I mean, this guy goes back to, uh, you know, ma- major league. He was in major league. Think about that. He, he was in the movie major league. So I, I, I don't know, just to, to not have, uh, you know, Sarby, uh, there is, is going to be different. It's going to be weird. Uh, see somebody else out there on the field coaching third is, is going to be weird. But, uh, you know, it, it like you said, uh, they, they make their decisions and, and you've got to move forward with it. Uh, just like, uh, it, you know, moving on from, from players and, uh, this is one of them. Uh, as far as, you know, Rigo goes, I, I think he's he's probably in the hunt for, you know, other opportunities elsewhere. Uh, one of the reasons why they they moved him up to, you know, to the major league staff was to to keep him in the organization. Right. Yeah, I think so. And he's got a lot of experience. Joe, he's done a great job in the minor league system. You know, he's like the last four years was at Columbus. Uh, you know, he's worked with a lot of these pitchers in the bullpen. 
And, uh, you know, he's, he's pitching the big leagues. He's, you know, he's been an international, uh, coach and, you know, pitching coach, I think in the Olympics for team Mexico. So, uh, you know, he's, he's done a lot of good things. Uh, and I, I'm sure he, he will, you know, he's kind of, he's one of those baseball lifers. So he'll land on his feet and, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, with, um, uh, Mike Barnett, I think, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of experience as a hitting coach. You know, he's, he was Tito's best buddy and mm-hmm. uh, I, he'll probably, he, he probably w- won't miss uh, having Tito give him a haircut now and then. I think he'll, that, that'll probably, that's probably yeah. one good point, good thing about this, but, but I think, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll, he'll land on his feet as well. Yeah. Barney can, uh, Barney can stand down now. He's, he doesn't have to be on high alert every time the, uh, the team hits a rough patch, you know, Tito's, Tito's way of inspiring, uh, you know, the the players sometimes was to to bust out the clippers and, and give Barney a little uh, and take a little off the top. Uh, I, you remember the, the the one time he was they were in Kansas City and, and uh, uh, Barney had told him, hey, uh, you know, please, please don't cut my hair. I'm going to see my mom. And he didn't want to have to explain to her why his hair was all, uh, you know, screwed up. So Tito had to had to lay off of him. But uh, that was, you know. He was also uh, Michael Jordan's hitting coach when uh, Tito was the manager in, in uh, Birmingham. Uh, Mike Barnett was the the hitting coach and uh, you know worked with Michael Jordan. Uh, said until until Jordan's hands bled, he hit in the cages. Uh, uh, you know every game, every day, and, and the, talked about the work ethic that he put in and uh, it, just uh, a, a bunch of different stories. And uh, you know this is a guy. Uh, but you sort of saw the writing on the wall if Tito wasn't going to be around that, uh, you know, that that Barney was, uh, you know, also uh, going to be moving on. But uh, really, as also as a replay coordinator, there were a couple of what was the what was the game uh, might have been a game in Kansas City where uh, Tito said that Barney uh, won the game with a, a replay. Uh, you know, he called down, he said, challenge the play. Uh, there was an out call at first base and. Uh, it was overturned and the, uh, you know, Cleveland won, you know, walked off the field after the, the, the replay was, uh, was overturned. And Tito said after the game, he said, how many times do you, do you get to see Barney get a walk off? That's, uh, <laughs> you know, that was, uh, one of the best, uh, you know, moments there for, for Mike Barnett, but, uh, certainly always another guy that always willing to talk to you and, and, and deal with the reporters and, uh, just, uh, sad to see him go, uh, for, for certain. Uh, with, uh, with all the coaches, the coaching staff changes and updates, uh, the best way to get that is through, uh, subtext, uh, Hoinsey, uh, you know, pushed out that information as soon as he had it to our, our subtext subscribers. Uh, it's $3.99 a month to subscribe. You get, uh, you know, information from Hoinsey and myself as soon as it happens, uh, sent directly to your phone and you can text us back with your thoughts on it. Uh, you can go to cleveland.com slash subtext. Or uh, send a text message to 216-208-4346 uh, to get signed up there. Uh, Hoinsey, the uh, Silver Slugger uh, Awards, are the finalists were announced today. Uh, Jose Ramirez, the only uh, Guardians player among the finalists. He is a finalist at third base once again. Uh, Alex Bregman, uh, Rafael Devers, and Isaac Paredes are the other finalists in the American League. Uh, Going to be a, a tall order for, for Jose, even though he did put up good numbers, were consistent numbers this year, going to be a tall order for him to, to win another Silver Slugger Award. 
Yeah, he's already won four of them, Joe. So I don't know if he's got space on his his wall down in the Dominican or not. But, uh, you know, the, yeah, that's a tough field. Uh, but I think Jose can hold his own, you know, but he, you know, he did not have that exceptional season that we've, we've, you know, grown used to, but he was, like you said, he was very, very productive. Uh, and, uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Paredes is, you know, had a big year for, uh, for the Rays. Uh, uh, Devers is always, always a big hitter for uh, Boston and Bregman kind of got off to a slow start, but, but came on. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top in this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting, and uh, you know those uh, you talk about the space on his mantle. Those those are some of the bigger trophies that they uh, that they hand out. The, the the whole setup for the the Silver Slugger Award. It's that silver bat, but it's got like a background to it, and it's it it's almost as tall as Jose Ramirez. If you put yeah, it they're really so, cool trophies. They're, they're yeah, really yeah, cool. those are those are neat. Uh, uh, Jose Ramirez's trophy cases has got to look pretty cool with you know you know four of those four or five of those. Uh, uh, Silver Slugger awards. Uh, the only thing missing, I think, that he would really uh, would really want to see is uh, is one of those uh, gold gloves one of these days. But uh, we've talked about that in the past. Going to be uh, going to be hard for him to win one, uh, considering the talent there at third base, uh, where he's also a finalist. Uh, those awards will be announced on Sunday. Uh, all right. Uh, just looking back, uh, the the Arizona Fall League is now wrapping up. Uh, wrapping up play, I believe tonight might be the last night of uh, games officially in the Arizona Fall League. A uh, couple of the headliners for Cleveland, uh, Chase DeLauder and uh, Kyle Manzardo are out there. Uh, I believe both will be participating in the Fall uh, All-Stars, the, the Fall Stars, they call it, uh, game on Sunday. That's, a, I think, an 8 o'clock game at, uh, out in Arizona in, in Mesa. Um, Manzardo also participating in the home run derby out there. I uh, had an opportunity to talk to Kyle. Uh, you know, we played that interview last week. Uh, also uh, interviewed and talked to his uh, his college coach at Washington State, uh, Brian Green, where he played out there for, uh, you know, played under Green for two seasons, his sophomore and junior years, uh, was an All-American uh, for the, the Cougars uh, and before being drafted in the second round by uh, the the Rays, but uh, I found it really interesting uh, to 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 learn from Brian Green. You know, Kyle Manzardo, the son of a, a high school baseball coach, a guy who came in, worked hard. You know, was uh, sort of uh, you know from Coeur d'Alene, Iowa, uh, where I'm sorry, Idaho, uh, where he he looked like he'd come to practice wearing a wearing a flannel and a and a and a beanie and looked like he just came off a, a fishing boat. Uh, he'd go in there, do his tea work, do his drills. And and the the power that we're seeing him put on display right now in the Arizona Fall League uh, comes as no surprise to Brian Green because he saw that emerging as a, a sophomore and, and junior uh, when Manzardo got in the weight room, you know, got stronger and and just was able to apply his approach uh, with a you know a bigger frame and and, and a, a stronger body. Uh, the ball just started to jump out of the ballpark and. Uh, so it should come as no surprise to any of us that, uh, this guy who's sort of on this trajectory to be, uh, you know, competing for a spot on the major league roster next year, uh, Kyle Manzardo was, you know, showing his coaches back in 2020, 2021, uh, that, that, uh, you know, this is possible for him. Yeah, Joe, he, uh, you know, he's really, you know, 
Uh, Chris Antonetti said it time and time again that when they, they acquired him, it was a tough guy to get. They had to give up Aaron Savali just because of what kind of hitter he was. And, you know, it's one thing to say it, but we're seeing it now. You know, we're seeing it. We saw it when he came back and, and, uh, and finished up the year with uh, Columbus after he got done, you know, rehabbing that shoulder injury. And we're seeing it. We've seen it, uh, in the Arizona Fall League where he's showing power, you know, and two, you know, two in 2022. Uh, he had a great year in, in, in Tampa Bay's minor league system at two different levels where we saw the power, we saw the run production, we saw the average. Yeah, and you know he was among the the AFL's uh, leaders in home runs. I think he's been he's been passed since uh, you know the, the second or third week of the season. Um, he's in like third or fourth place now with with five home runs. But uh, you talked about the run production. That's uh, that's what the the Guardians and their fans will. We'll, we'll sort of hopefully come to appreciate uh, about Manzardo is, uh, you know, the fact that you know, with runners in scoring position, you know, he, he not only is is reaching base, but he's driving in those runs and he's he's, uh, you know, getting the extra base hits uh, right now. If he's able to con- do that consistently and, and adjust to major league pitching when he arrives, then, uh, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit with this uh, this kid uh, looks like uh, should be a lot of fun. And, and he also, you know, put in the work to make himself a passable defender, which will uh, will be important for him here as well. Uh, you know, just to be another option at first base. Uh, just just wish he I you know, just wish he swung the bat from the right side. That's the only thing <laughs> I think uh, he uh, we would be talking about him here and now if he swung the bat from the right side. The only thing really holding him back. Cleveland loves left-handed hitters, Joe. They can't get enough of them. I don't know what it is, but they can't they can't stack those lefties high enough. Well, another season of uh, of writing, uh, you know, previews and pregames of of how every club that faces Cleveland is lining up their left-handed pitchers uh, to pitch against them. So we'll uh, we'll anticipate that coming up in 2024. All right, Hoynes, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll join you uh, tomorrow with uh, a look at uh, Tristan McKenzie and what to expect from him in the 2024 season uh, to wrap up the week here uh, on Cleveland.com. We'll, we'll talk to you then. All right, Joe.